Hey, Collaborists, I'm Ben Leroy. And I'm Jason Buckholtz. And you're making a good decision with your life and listening to Collaborists. How's it going, Jay? Not too bad. It's chilly out here, but again, that's a Californian complaining to a Wisconsinian? Wisconsinite? Wisconsinite? Wisconsiner. Whatever, whatever, whatever you are. Um, Yeah, but it's a little warmer. Yesterday, it never warmed up, and I was just, I couldn't get warm all day. Today's a little more manageable. It's just a miserable feeling. Like, it doesn't matter. Or if you do end up putting on a bunch of blankets. Oh, wait, 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 wait. If you're here right now, and you're frustrated by the level of chatting, uh, you can just hit like fast forward a couple of minutes and you'll probably be in the actual discussion of whatever's going on. But we are going to talk about the weather. It's just what we're going to do. I've actually got some California weather reports. I Go ahead. Saturday morning, I was thinking of you and your your California tourism, but there was a good earthquake at 3.39 a.m. on Saturday morning. Uh, I had woken up just a few minutes before that, so I was wide awake for that. Um, it was a good, good shaker. It was a good. I'm, I'm not sure. I think it was somewhere between three point six and four or something. And but it was right near here. Uh, it was definitely not the sort of earthquake that you're going back to sleep after. So, uh, and then this morning there was a big six point something one up Saw that. in yeah Humboldt in, County. Yep. Uh, some some damage, some destruction. I don't think buildings fell, but certainly things inside. I saw some pictures this morning of things inside homes being tossed around and some big messes created. So, yeah, that's yeah. I I saw that this morning, and I did see someone on Twitter asking about the quake from this weekend. So I I was familiar that that had happened. Do you think that you waking up? right before the one on Saturday was a coincidence or do you think that it's possible that your body sent something like what, what do you think the story is there? Uh, I would like to think that I am uh, attuned to some type of cosmic shift that, that woke me up right before it happened. Um, my, my confidence in that belief is not high, but I'm I'm going to go with it. That didn't, Low confidence hasn't stopped me. I'm a writer, so why not? <laughs> it doesn't stop many people, actually. Low confidence <laughs> seems to almost be a, an accelerant. So I don't, I don't know. Right. So yeah, I'm going with it. I'm going with some type of some type of sixth sense. Also, I have got uh, my Andover Bookstore shirt on today. This arrived in the mail yesterday. I it, it was an anonymous gift from somebody. I have a suspicion. I'm not going to name names on on the podcast, but um, I believe that this someone is associated with another someone named Sweet Pea. So that would be the Massachusetts connection that I'm that I'm thinking of. Now, my one question is: if people who don't have your address, your mailing address, want to get a shirt to you. Could they send it to our P.O. box and then I forward it to you? They could, although that would be extraordinarily generous. And and if you have the 
need to send somebody a shirt there are many people in the world who need who need shirts who need your your generosity um before i do so uh if if you feel the need to clothe somebody um it it i would i would recommend that you find someone in greater need but i am nonetheless very appreciative and grateful and um very touched yeah well you know i kind of feel like getting you shirts from bookstores is a a community building exercise so it's not simply a matter of just getting you a shirt for the sake of shirt (laughs) All right. Well, if someone's got some, if you got some extra bookstore shirts lying around and uh, can afford a little postage, then sure, I will. And then you know your your bookstore gets a plug on our podcast. And, and this, you said this is one that you're personally familiar with. Yeah, uh, my good friend and mentor and hero, uh, Randall Peffer, Peff Dog. Um, he was a teacher at Andover Academy over there in Andover, Massachusetts, along Highway 128 or Highway 28. Um, and I would go out to Andover Academy. Andover is a great small town. As Jason's shirt says, the bookstore has been around since 1809. The back as, of the shirt says it's the oldest independent bookstore in the country. As a Midwesterner, we don't have a lot of old by United States standard towns when i go to the east coast especially new england i love seeing signs for towns that is like established 1698 it's like okay that's old like that's that's got some life lived in it so i would go out with uh, i'd go to andover also um other sometimes listeners to the podcast also have a connection in that corridor the uh, Wilmington Mass to Andover Mass Corridor. Um, And I would get to sit in with PEF teaching classes at Andover Academy. And the the level of brightness of those students was astounding to me. It was beyond what I had experienced in college. And it it's a it's a fancy place. Everything about it's fancy and magical. It's like if Dead Poet Society was a town. It's in Western Mass, right? It's in Eastern Mass. Eastern Mass. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I lived in Somerville for a year, but did not make it to Andover. Yeah. So if you headed northeast from Somerville, uh, you'd you'd get up that way. All right. Might have passed through it a time or two then. Could be. It's either off Interstate 93 or Interstate 95 or in between the two of them. I So for, for, I don't know, a decade, I would go out to Andover a couple of times. I'd go out to Andover at least once a year, sometimes more. Go out sailing uh, in the Cape Cod, Buzzards Bay area. All kinds yep. of adventures. Lovely spot. Yep. I did not have a vehicle when I lived there, so my transportation was limited to to the t red line porter square baby in the house for life for life <laughs> style market um moving now on. we're gonna get in trouble now we're gonna get in trouble <laughs> jason's busting out the offensive boston accent <laughs> moving oh. quickly along and Okay, I want to give a quick weather report here and then we can jump into the actual podcast because i know that people are like doing the old <laughs> when they're watching this 
Uh, right now, calm before the storm. In the next few days, the bottom is going to fall out of the temperatures and we're going to get down into the negatives pretty good. And then we're supposed to also get like a foot of snow. I realize that there's a whole system coming east across the country that is going to be just wrecking some holidays, just absolutely wrecking some holidays. To those of you who are not as prepared to deal with the cold and the snow, just as best you can, take some time to hang out at the house. Make snowmen. Do stuff. Don't stress. If you're going to shovel, be careful because shoveling is a sneaky heart attack. Like, it really is. Like, it's it's a lot of exertion and the bundled up and everything. So uh, if you're not used to clearing snow, if you're not used to doing that kind of stuff, be mindful. Shovel more often, less snow than once, and try to move a lot of snow all at once, especially if it's wet, heavy snow, because it's dangerous. It's dangerous. And your friend Ben wants you to be here in 2023. Those are good tips. Stocking up supplies. Yeah, I like I, I got enough to get me through the day or two that I probably won't leave the house and I don't anticipate any kind of long stuff out. And if I had to, had to, I can walk to wherever I need to be, except because I'm old, because I'm ancient walking on snow. Because the ground is uneven, even if it's just a little bit, because there's little bits of snow throws my hips out, throws my lower back out. I'm just I'm a trash human being. And I'm not, I'm not even that old, but I feel, I feel really old. So I try to avoid walking on the snow. What once used to give me a lot of fun and pleasure, not so much anymore. All right. Are we ready to move away from the chit chat and get into the two-parter today? Let's talk about some, some literature. Okay. So we're talking about literature today in the form of we got a query letter submitted by somebody and we're going to go over that query letter and then we're just going to kind of do a recap of 2022 this was the first year of collaborist and and here you are listening and we're so grateful for that so we just want to kind of go over some things so if you're here looking for hard-hitting or writing advice today i'd probably go back an episode or two uh that's okay you know, I, we, we do get the complaints that you guys give great information, but you talk too much. That's just how we're going to be. It's just who we are. It's what we do. We're going to recap. We've done a lot of stuff this year. You and I on this podcast, we've talked about a lot of different things and we're going to recap every single, e- no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> and here's but, some um, highlights. We have, you know, we've got a number of people who have joined us more recently and um, you know there are some there are there are some I think there are some 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 really informative stuff in our back catalog. I mean, what 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 number episode is this? This is going to be forty three, I believe. All right. So we did uh, we did some stuff last summer that I was pretty proud of. Yeah. Pretty informative. So we'll we'll do a quick recap. And um, if anything strikes your interest, you can go back and look through the archives and um, dig up some stuff. But Let's do this query letter. Okay, sounds good. Can you uh, be the reader and I'll put on my special acquiring editor hat? Certainly. Um, 
just taking a quick scan. Um, all right, I'm going to... Well, notes. Jason scans. I just want to remind you listeners, if you want your query letter read on air, uh, feel free to send it to info at collaborus.org. We have a couple already stored up. Yours can get added to that collection. This is different than if you reach out to us and you ask us to give you help with your query letter as a paid service. But reading query letters, giving you some real-time feedback, allowing you to figure out how other people's learning can also be your earning, learning, earning, learning. Look, you're going to make a million dollars. Look at that. I just, mm -hmm. I just manifested that. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's all set. Okay. Enough. Jason, give me a go. Right. Let's query. Uh, and thank you to this author who sent this in. Based on your history of publishing dark, character-driven fiction, I think that my debut horror novel, Fire Among the Clay, with a word count of 90,000, will interest you. It could be compared in tone with The Mountain of the Dead by Jeremy Bates or Stolen Tongues by Felix Blackwell. Humble Jerry Elder believes that he has an accurate understanding of the world. He comes from a good family, has a good job, is active in the community, and he believes in Jesus. Jerry's selfish wife, Louise Cohen Elder, believes that she has a superior understanding of the world, which makes her like a fire among the unthinking, clay-minded simpletons that surround her. She's a respected university professor, has many secret extramarital affairs, and she's also a member of the Cult of the Azure Star. The cult has been conducting human sacrifices to enact the legendary lost ritual of conversion for the first time in almost 100 years. Waking up in a wine cellar dungeon chained to a wall, Jerry could become the next victim in their plan to initiate a new age of occult power if he doesn't find a way to outsmart them. Unable to escape and struggling to retain his grasp on the reality he thought he knew, Jerry must exploit the arrogance of the cult members to survive, who are developing cracks in their facade of competence. Luis must in turn manipulate the inept cult members to keep their personal differences and their psychological eccentricities from sabotaging the ritual, and in their ignorance unleashing something horrific that could end human life on earth, reducing us all into food for a higher form of creature. Fire Among the Clay is my debut novel. I have a career in IT, but I have taken some time off at my home in Virginia to work on my heirloom vegetable garden and my writing. Thank you for your consideration. Name redacted. Okay, so let's give it the first check where we are going to look to see, do we have a title? Do we have a genre? Do we have a word count? Do we have comp titles? And do we have an author bio? Check, 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 and check. Okay, awesome. And comp titles, can you hit those back to me? I'm going to do super secret book scan work while... This has got to be really compelling for people. I'm going to do book scan <laughs> lookup of these two titles just so we can see in real time if they are good uses of our comp titles. We want to have books that have sold well and have published in the last year to maybe three years at the most. So can you give me title one again? The Mountain of the Dead, Jeremy Bates. 
And as you're looking that up, I would say that we get, of all those things you mentioned, except for the author bio, they're all in the first paragraph. Okay. Um, and the genre, title, and word count are important to have there. So those yes. are that's that's a strong point. The comp titles can I often see them lower down after yeah, the after the summary, after the synopsis. I don't have a problem with them appearing here. Um although somebody might someone might make an argument that it's better to talk about your own story before the comp titles. Do you have a a, a feeling of a, a strong feeling about that one I, or the other? I would agree. I, I would agree that having the um the comp titles at the end is where I think the preference would be. I think okay, that so I, oh yeah, go ahead. So what I'm learning from uh what I'm learning from book scan and then a little bit of subsequent research it looks like the book is done really well as an ebook in paperback it's got it's got good enough sales that i think you can use it as a comp title the problem is i'm seeing that it was published in 2018 so now we are at 4 plus years ago cuz it was march march of it march of 2018 coming up so, on, coming up on five years yeah so that's um that's not ideal it also looks like it's the looks like it might be part of an ongoing series um yeah okay so it's part of an ongoing series the series looks very popular so from if it's a popular and the tone and the style and everything that's great it's just the release date is a little bit not as good um there is a more recent book in that series called the hotel chelsea and it came out in september of 2020 it's a so very let famous, me see it's a very let famous hotel it is let me see how that compares sales-wise. Yeah, so that one's sales aren't as good as Mountain of the Dead. So that might be part of part of that choice. Let's call that a B-minus comp title. What was the other one? Stolen Tongues by Felix Blackwell. Boop, bop, bop. Okay, this one came out in 2017. So same problem. The sales record is is great. It would be a good comp title that way. But uh, it came out in June of 2017. So now we're looking at almost six years ago. So that would be um, that would be my comment as far as the comp titles go. I felt like the description of the book had a lot of intrigue and a lot of high stakes stuff. I mean, it wasn't even just that someone might die. It's all of humanity might die and be fed to a beast uh, of, or a new species that was going to be killing people and removing humans from earth. So that's pretty high stakes. Pretty high uh, stakes. They're, they're, clear, clear characters, clear protagonists. Mm -hmm. We can tell 
who we're talking about here. Yeah, and knowing what I saw from the comp titles, it feels similar. We've got this horror, supernatural, uh, occult, mysterious world stuff. So that that feels good. People like to settle into those worlds and see how things can be different. I agree with all of that. I I felt that that twist at the end, the the unleashing something horrific that could end human life on earth, reducing us all into food for a higher form of creature that took it in a direction that I wasn't expecting. And that's not inherently problematic, but I think that the way it's set up, it feels more like a, I wasn't, it, it, I had assumed that we were talking about one sort of fictional reality and then bringing that in really changed it for me and it kind of made me have to go back and revise my thinking and so that can be that can be a little in in you know we talk about the contract with the reader we talk about establishing kind of the parameters of the world that you're creating early on and and so to me that was a little too much of a surprise i i mean but again this is not this is not i don't read a lot of horror so maybe maybe the genre is maybe it's standard. Maybe it's maybe that inherent to that genre is the expectation that horrific things can come and eat everybody on Earth at any time. So yeah, you know I'm I'm not a good person to to weigh in on that. But that that it seems that actually okay. I think I, here's what I'm trying to say is that there is a. There's a lot of there's tension set up between Jerry and his wife in this cult. And then we get some tension between Louise and the cult. And that's all very human. And you want to you get invested in all that. But then all of a sudden there's this big creature that's going to come and eat everybody. And it makes those other tensions seem like, well, why do you know what's let's just make sure that doesn't happen. And then, like, who cares if Jerry gets killed or not? We got to. Right, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, I don't even know, Jerry. I don't want to be eaten. Yeah. Did it say clearly anywhere in there um, what goal comes with this right being done correctly? Untold power for the cult over humanity? Like what, what, why are they taking this risk? Um. They're, they are enacting the legendary lost ritual of conversion for the first time in almost 100 years. But you're right. We don't know what that is or why they're doing that and why, why they're asking. And I think that that's, that's a good point. That would be good to know what what she stands to gain. And I'm, I'm not sure if they're both, if this is a multiple third person, if they're both viewpoint characters. And so we're invested because she seems to be trying to keep this she first she seems like a bad guy and then it seems like well she's actually trying to keep the cult from messing up and unleashing this horror so you know jerry is clearly somebody who's going to have our sympathies i'm unclear about Luis and whether whether she will or won't and that's fine like it doesn't need to be i'm not saying it needs to be clear-cut good guys and bad guys yeah but there is, it does, like you mentioned when we were talking about this before, you meant that I think that there is 
that final paragraph of summary, it does get quite dense. And I had to read that a couple of times. And I, and even then, I'm not sure that I fully understand all of the different aspects and how they relate. So I might recommend unpacking that a little bit or condensing it. Did you, did you do a word count? Did you check the word count on the overall? Yeah, the letter? word count was um, 320 words. So it's a little bit more than what would fit on a one page, although it so, fits on one page for me. Um, so not a lot of space to unpack things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I might recommend then, uh, 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 and not a lot, just a, a slight streamlining of, of that, that second, it's more of the plot. First, we're introduced to the characters. And I think that that, that part is, is strong. And then the, the, the paragraph that kind of summarizes the plot, I, I feel like there's a, there's a, a lot going on there. And maybe there's a way to set up the stakes more simply and a little more straightforwardly. Yeah, I would, I would agree. All right. Well, thank you for sending that in. And again, Collaboris, even if you're a first time listener, you can send your query letter to info at collaboris.org. And in the subject line, just put for the podcast or something like that. So we know that you want this reviewed on the podcast. Should we get into our lengthy year-end in review recap? Let's. This will be our last episode of 2022. So first and foremost, thank you very much to everybody who has tuned in, commented, joined the conversation. Um, there have been some lively discussions in the YouTube comments, and that's always a lot of fun to see those unfold and to hear about your takes on different things and your recommendations and um yeah that's and been a lot it, of fun to just i want to echo what you're saying too about people's takes on things like this is what this is all about is having conversation about how story is effective and how story moves us and how story brings us together as a community so even though the two of us have the microphone and we're doing this podcast everyone's thoughts on this are are a valid part of the soup and it's good to see people engaging and it's good to hear what people agree with and disagree with and knowing that something has helped somebody. And, and also in the comments, when I see two people sort of talking to one another and knowing that they are not even the hosts of the podcast, but they've come together because of this community, like that's the kind of thing that I'm hoping that we can do not just as a podcast, but also as a company is like bring people together um, around this central idea of story and community. Absolutely. And we're talking about, we're talking about an art form here. So there are no right or wrong answers. You know, there are, you and I have had our, hopefully are in the process of having our respective careers in this industry. And um, have had the experiences that we've had and have seen a lot of things that work and a lot of things that don't work. And so we're bringing that to bear. We are are using that to inform our conversations and share what, what we have seen. But those are only two perspectives on this whole vast world of, of literature and writing and editing and publishing. 
and um, there are are many ways of doing things. There are we just want to throw our ideas out there and spark some conversation, and um, we we welcome disagreement and and counter opinions, and it's all all part of if we can just keep books relevant, if we can just keep people people who want to write them, people who read them, people who are struggling to write them, it just kind of keep all that moving along. I think that that, that I can't, I can't speak for you, but I know that for me, that feels very much like one of the main things that I'm here on this earth to do. Absolutely. We are part of the human project and the human experience and facilitating that in any way that we can is great, which is something that when we first started Collaborist, we have we had and have ideas for in-person community events, doing writers retreats, doing pop-up writers conferences. I really want to make sure that you, Jason, and you, the listener, hold us accountable on that. I, I want to make sure that in 2023, we are out there doing that. And right now we're working on, we're going to be in Seattle for AWP in March. And we're working on ways that we can do some volunteer work in Seattle. We're working on ways to do a writing exchange, an open mic exchange. Might even try to get some painting going on there with people. And, um, you know, this is, this is an important thing that when I say you're all invited, I want you to understand that you're all invited. Like this isn't the cool kids club. There's no exclusive access. There's no anything like that. Like let's just all get together as humans and celebrate the fact that even in a world that is chaotic and topsy turvy, we're still here and we still have this light inside of us, both as individuals and as a collective and that we can gather around that light. Absolutely. As Jason so on, mentioned, oh, go ahead. I was just going to segue to to some topics, other topics, yeah. but you were wrapping that up. Okay. Yeah. So just uh, with this being our 43rd podcast, I'm just looking back over, over what we've done here in 2022. Um, started February 16th. My birthday. Excellent. Launch very, on your very, birthday. Auspicious. <laughs> on a full moon. That's right. I'd I'd forgotten that 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 detail. Uh, we did a bunch of interviews in our first over the first 15 or so episodes. We talked to several other people, shared some stories, um, spoke to uh, my literary agent, Wendy Levinson of Harvey Klinger, and did a number of of episodes on query letters and how to get a literary agent so if that's something that you find yourself in in the arena if you're looking for for more information on that sort of thing if you take a look at oh episodes six through 13 15 or so then that's there's a lot of that sort of information in there um over the summer we did a whole series on the novel, different aspects of novel writing. Uh, we talked about plot, characters, setting, pace, um, different, more technical aspects of writing, like scene versus summary, 
the different components of creating scene. Um, I'm not going to try to remember details within each one, but but over the summer, lots of lots how of to write a novel was the name of the series. And so if you see an episode that has how to write a novel, that's what we were trying to go through. That's right. Let's see. That started on with episode 20 and that ran for we did that. 20s all through the 20s. Talked about conferences. We talked about um, writing retreats and conferences. Then we got into uh, NaNoWriMo. We talked about the importance of quiet and that the act of writing is not simply typing and that a lot of your process, Jason's especially in nature, how that can help. You're stepping away from the computer, but you're giving your story room to breathe and talk to you. That's been a recurring theme. And I think that we've talked about a lot of a lot of the negative space around writing, a lot of the 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 things and practices that are adjacent to writing that may not look like writing on the surface, but actually work to foster greater creativity, greater productivity, um, all those sorts of things that that ultimately come together and help us to be better storytellers. And better listeners, better readers, better able to participate in in the dialogue. So there are a couple of episodes that we did that focused on that, but it's also a, a theme that seems to come up pretty regularly, and that in, includes our our own approach of giving this practice a lot of space and time to go through and do this slowly. I, I was speaking to somebody uh, last week and who he said, hey, I really want to get my novel out but it, in this time period. And this was this was a young writer. This was a, a teenager who I came across and I was having a conversation. And he said, I really want to. And this is he was working on a science fiction novel, which is amazing. This guy was a junior in high school and we were chatting. He's like, oh, I really want to get this book out between this time and this time because I'm going to be this age. And then this other character that that is based on my friend is going to be this age and I was really wanting to get it out when we're the same age as the characters in the book and I said okay but but that is very likely to become an enemy of quality writing and of your of your creative process take it slow let things develop don't let artificial timelines and constraints like that come in because they can really affect your decision making. They can really blind you to problems that you're having. They can they can short circuit your your process. Absolutely. And this was all part of not this particular conversation, but as we have talked about this before, there are yeah, I think that we were railing at one point against some of these internet personalities hustle and grind right just kind of the whole i wrote five best-selling books you know that's in nine months kind of thing and it's there's a time and a place for that for some people some readers some writers um it's not the approach that either you or i take and we don't i think that we're looking at a a different type of craft i guess you could say I would agree. All right. Well, some themes that are kind of woven throughout. Yeah. Thank you again for everyone who has listened this whole year. 
and hope that you will continue to do so in 2023. Hope to meet some of you. Hope to uh, see Jason's t-shirt collection grow to include all 50 states. Territories. Territories. And that's uh, it for me. For story. For community. Collab. What is this now?